First of all, I want to say happy Father's Day to all the dads here. It's great to be a dad. Um, those who aren't dads, aspire to be one. Those who are dads, be grateful for it. It's good stuff. I got a couple plates and cups with a bunch of scribbled stuff on it that I loved. It's good to be a dad. Also, I just want to, this is my last time I'm going to be preaching to you guys as a pastor at Seven Mile Road. I just want to thank you guys um, for allowing me to serve you as one of your pastors. It's been a great joy um, for me and my family. This is one of the healthiest church, is the healthiest church we've ever been at. And it's been so much um, joy to our life and strength to our lives. And um, we're just thankful for you guys. The good news is we're going to Wakefield, so I'm not going to ask like this is Philly, act like it's Philly or Wisconsin. We're going to Wakefield. I'll see you guys again. I love you. I'll be back to update you guys. So awesome. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Father, we come here to honor you today by listening to the words of your son, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we need you today. I need you to help me speak well and speak your words. And I need you to open up our ears so that we hear the things your son says to us, and they change our hearts, and they encourage our hearts, and they comfort our hearts. Let your spirit be here today, and we love you. Amen. So you're at the offering box. You have two dollar bills, two one dollar bills, kind of like what Matt just did. He stole my thing right off the bat in the kid's sermon. But you have two $1 bills. The Verizon bill, it's overdue. You should have canceled Netflix about three months ago. You haven't paid your electricity bill, and they're going to shut you off. You know that notice you get that's yellow? And you're sitting there, and you're saying, how much should I give? Should I give $1 and keep $1? Should I keep it? Will the amount I give even matter? What will people think if they see me giving $2 in the offering bucket? And while you're contemplating all of that, rich men are walking by you, well-to-do people, and they're just dropping $500 checks and $1,000 checks and just kind of walking out after, like you know how we handle money around here. I walked out of the zone. (laughs) And you're contemplating that, and you're saying to yourself, how much do I give? The answer is, you give it all. Christianity is a religion where we give it all. We serve a Savior who gave it all. We serve a Father who did not hold back His Son for us, but put more in than the widow could ever have given, and put in and gave His Son for us. We serve a Father who gives us the Holy Spirit, the indwelling Spirit. He has given it all. The church is built on men and women who gave their lives for the gospel. People are still giving their lives for the gospel. Christianity is a radical faith. It's not just giving halfway. It's not keeping one dollar and give the other dollar. It is giving everything. And this message really isn't on money, because money is just an extension of what our heart treasures. This message is about our heart, what God has been pursuing to have all of us, to have our heart 
that we love him with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength, with all our time, with all our energy, with all our finances, with all our giftings. God is after our heart. And today we get a woman who's considered low in society, who has nothing and has no way to make a substantial amount of more money. She's lost her husband and she has two pennies. Actually, two coins that equal a penny. And she walks up to her offering basket. And many of us would say, she has no money. Keep your money. What are you doing? Some of us would say, why would you even give that? That's not going to help out. But God looks at things differently. He sees the rich man going up and giving large sums. But then he sees this woman going up, raggedy clothed, face worn from the trials of life, and giving it all, showing a heart that loves God with everything. With her actions, she's reflecting who her treasure is. It's funny, as a pastor, many times you'll find out that when you're going to preach, God allows you to go through stuff so you preach better and you can preach it with conviction. Um, this, many of you know I, I've been running my own business for eight years. And it goes in waves. So sometimes you make money, sometimes you don't. And this is one of the times where I'm not making money. And so the wave hit at the wrong time. And so what we like to do in our family is we, we say a set amount we're going to give, and no matter what, we're giving that. That's what we stuck to. We trust God. It's our conviction. That's what we do. And so I sat down on my laptop on a Monday night about a month ago, and I looked at it, and I saw the checking account. I had to pay my health insurance. You guys know how much health insurance is when you pay for yourself? About $5,000 a month. We've got to do something about this. But I'm only kidding, but that's partially true. I had to pay my health insurance bill. I had to pay a few other bills, and we had to give what we wanted to give that for that month. That meant my checking account would get down to 100 or $200. I had the text that was going to preach next to me. I had to set it up right there. And through my life, I've seen God over and over again provide for me and my family. Whether we gave or not, he always provides. But it's our joy to give and to see God respond as a loving father and taking care of us. So I'm reading this story, and I get to the point where it says it's all she had to live on. Because you know how we get. We try to justify. This isn't financially wise if I, I, don't, I, I give. That's not wise. We could get hurt. We, we justify in so many ways, and then we justify it and turn it into doctrines that we teach to men. I knew in my heart that I was still called to give it all. I'm not saying I'm awesome. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm saying God's grace has moved in my heart in this area where I knew, both out of fear of God, I've got to be honest with you guys, I fear God. There's many of us that don't fear God and think he's just walking around skipping and dancing all the time, and he is. But God is serious, and I take him serious. I feared him, and I both had joy. I was really happy to do it. My heart was joyful, and I went to the seven-mile road, went through my thing, did it online, and I pressed that button. That button was hard to press. I was happy. And joyful and glad that God still had my heart. You know when you do stuff and you say, that was close. I didn't know if God still had my heart. But I did it. About four hours later, I need to have a sit down with my wife about 10 o'clock at night. I said, wow, Natalie, you know we always do this. 
but this is stressful. We don't know where tomorrow's bread's coming from. But I still had joy. We still did it. The next morning, I get a call from my mortgage guy. We're refinancing the house. And they had said, at the best, you're going to get one month off, and it's going to be a certain amount of money you're going to get off your mortgage. The dude goes, you won't believe it, but your paper's gone on my desk today, yesterday, or whatever he said. He says, you're going to have two months off your mortgage, and it's less money than you thought a month. So I felt like, wow, once again, I can trust my God. Now, I'm not one of those prosperity preachers, the giving it will come back to you, pressed down, dancing around. You know, I'm not that guy. You're going to have gold watches, have a Mercedes with seven-mile road on the plate. That's not, what I'm, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is your God will take care of you. Your Father in heaven loves his children. He will care for you. The righteous will not go begging for bread. He watches over you. His eyes on you. He loves you. He cherishes you. And he will take care of you. You have nothing to worry about. So many of us find our security in money. We make statements like, that guy's all set for life. I wish I was like that. Is he really? Or are everyone who has Jesus, who has the gospel, are we really the ones who are all set for life? We treasure the wrong things. We admire the wrong men. We trust in money instead of Jesus. Would you be more secure if I had a million dollars cash I was going to give you today? Would you say, man, would you have more happiness, joy, wisdom? Would the day be better, more hope for the future? Or you'd be more hope if I said, have more hope if I said, Jesus loves you. He died for you. You are his, and no one can ever separate you from that. He gave his all for you. And I'm really trying to call you not into a life where you're mad and you got to do stuff, i got to give money. I'm calling you into the most abundant life there is to live. A life that gives it all to Jesus day and day and day after day. All your time, all your energy, all your giftings, all your finances to the glory of God. You will never experience joy more in your life than when you are totally sold out for Jesus. He says, deny yourself and follow me. Him who wants life will lose it. Take up your cross and follow me. That's not because you're going to be miserable. Yes, you will suffer. But you will experience more joy than you ever will in this world that says keep it, gather it, get more for yourself, give it to yourself, invest it only in your family. We want to do this. And God is telling us to do this. So I'm really trying to call you guys into that life because Jesus, he gave it all. And he lived the most joyful life there ever was to live. You say, what? You know why? Because he gave it all. On that final day, he could say, I laid it all out there. Now, I want you guys to be able to say that. I don't want you to look back in 30 years with regrets and say, why did I hold on? Why did I hold on? Why did I treasure other things? I want you to be able to say in your final breath, I gave it all to the most important thing there was to give to. And that's to the kingdom of God and that's to the glory of Jesus. Amen? Let's turn to Mark 12. Some of you are already there. 38. We'll start with verse 38 and 39. And in his teaching, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at the feasts. At feasts. For those of you who know Jesus as Savior, 
you can welcome him as teacher. To know him as Savior is to receive every word from him as a teacher. And over and over again, what we see is Jesus is teaching us things and principles and truth that are totally contrary to the system of this world. See, culture is a rabbi. Your city is a pastor. It's telling you how to live. It's telling you what to value. It's telling you how to act. It's telling you how to speak. And what Jesus is doing, he's coming in and he's saying, no, this is not what the kingdom of God is all about. God does not see things like this world sees things. He's going to tell us, you're looking at this wrong. I'm not looking for outward obedience. I'm looking for a heart that is willing to give it all. And he's going to teach us that. But first, he's going to tell us, beware of men that act like this. Men who we look at and say they have it all. They're all set for life. I wish I was in that place where I got glorified like that. He says, beware. Now, when I think of beware, I think of that Rottweiler on the other side of the fence that's maimed two children is the leading suspect in the disappearance of somebody. You know what I mean? I think there's danger on the other side. i got to stay away from that. That's a heavy word. He says, beware of the scribes who walk around in their long robes. So the, the religious leaders at the time, they would wear these white, long linen robes with these fringes on them. And what that would do, it would set you apart. And when they walked down the street, the common people would wear the other colors. And when they walked down the street, people wouldn't even sit. They'd stand up out of respect. So everywhere they went, they got that kind of respect. And what does the scripture say? They liked it. They liked that respect. They liked that honor. Not because they were servants of God who got to lay down their life for the kingdom of God as priests, but because it fed the fuel of their ego. They were addicted to self-glorification, self-intoxicated, if you would. So people would get up, and they give them that honor. And they didn't greet them like, hey, yo, bro, how you doing? What up, dog? They said, master, rabbi, even saying that, I'm getting blown up. Teacher, standing up, teacher, therefore art thou. Just in awe of these men, and they liked it. They lived for it. Once again, they're giving it all so they receive the glory. And it goes on to say, they got the best seats at the feast. Because the well-to-do men, the affluent men, the influential men would want to invite them to sit in the place of honor at that feast because that was the right thing to do. They looked good. They were the holy men. They would have a seat of honor even over the parents or the age, and they would sit there in front of the congregation in their white robes with their pupils, with their greetings, and they would be inflated, and people would feed their eagles. And when they were in the synagogue, imagine I took a throne. Some churches do this. And I put a throne up here. Not regular throne. I put gold around the rim, maroon, big puffy seat, too big for me to sit in. And I sat on it and just looked at you guys, you sinners. That's what these dudes would do. They'd be at these seats of honors, back positioned perfectly to the Torah. And people would look at them and say, wow, look at their glory. Their attention was not to glorify God from their heart and give it all. It was to take it all for themselves. And it goes on to say, let's read verse 40. Who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive greater condemnation. So the scribes of the day would live primarily on subsidies. That means they would only get a certain amount of money. So they 
didn't make a lot in that profession. It was forbidden for them to get paid for their profession. But what was encouraged were for people to give to the scribes, give more money. So naturally, you say a longer prayer somebody likes, that guy's spiritual, throw him 10. Also, it led to manipulating those who are poor and those who are weak. We've seen those guys on TV, right? I can't stand them. If you give this, you'll get this and all this stuff. And before you know it, these people's emotions are manipulated not to give to the, like the widow did all she had to the glory of God, but give to these men in their empires, in their own glory, in their filthy money they live on. This is what they would do. They would devour widows' houses. They would take advantage of people to build up their wealth, to build up their ego, to build up their fame. He said they will receive the greater condemnation. I don't want any of you to think that leaders who abuse their power get away with it. We don't get away with it. We will receive a greater condemnation. Anyone aspire to be a pastor or leader, think twice because you're held more accountable for the things you say. And if you lead men astray for your own glory, you will give account for it. We will receive a greater condemnation. And these men who acted like this in this time will receive that judgment. What's happening is Jesus is setting the stage for the story of the widow who gave it all. He starts by saying, beware of acting like this. Outward stuff for your own glory, for your own fame. Stealing from people instead of giving. And then he gets us to the next part of our text. Let's turn to, we're going to read verse 41 and 42. And he sat down opposite the treasury. And watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. So this story took place in the court of women. It was a court outside the temple. And there were 13 buckets set up. Receptacles, offering baskets, if you would. And people would come in and they'd drop off their offering to God. It was a place where people could observe. You see Jesus sitting down to look. And many people loved the fact that it was out in the open. Because the rich men, the lawyers, the people who well could do could go up there and give their money. And people would say, wow, look at those people. Look at those givers. They have it together. Together. They have it together. They gave it all. So Jesus sits down and he's looking. And once again, he doesn't see things the way we see things. So the rich men go up giving large sums of money. And then this raggedy woman with no money i'm talking nothing think about someone you see with no money no money for clothes no money for the future no money for breakfast and really worn down if you lose your husband that's a tough time in your life she walks up to that basket has two coins and so many things amaze me about this because we think it's foolish She gives it all. Like, if she gave one, that's still a great story. Well, she had nothing, and she gave half of all she had. She gave half of it. She puts everything she has to live on. She doesn't walk away from there and have something for Dunky D's that morning. She doesn't walk away from there and have lunch. She doesn't know where tomorrow's bread's coming from, but she knows the God she is giving to. And Jesus says she has given much more. Why? Because she gave it all. God was her treasure. God must be our treasure. Let's read on. Verse 41. 
Actually, we're going to be in verse 43 and 44. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put everything she had, everything she had to live on. Many of us who are numbers guys would say, what are you talking about? Let me add up this, these sums over here, thousands and thousands, rich people. And let me take a second to put in the penny this woman gave. Who gave more? She did because of her heart. Now, I'm going to tell you the parable of two donations. I've been in the fundraising game for a little bit now. I'm not saying names. So I went to this guy who has a lot of loot, to say the least. I thought he was going to give a substantial gift. And first of all, when I went to see this guy, I, I got the feeling he's one of those guys that wanted me walking in with a long robe, with the fringes. Some guy behind me just kept calling me rabbi with a back to the Torah. I got that feeling that he wanted that kind of leader. He actually said to me in the thing, I said, look at you. <laughs> I said, look at me. I'm Boston, baby. And I asked him, and the heart behind the whole thing was something. I'm like, he was the only person in the whole thing that when it was over, I felt filthy. I said, man, I'm not getting involved in those games. They're not dragging me into these reindeer games. I'd rather go without. And he said, I'm going to give. I'm going to throw you a bone, little one. I thought it was going to be a lot more money because this guy is rolling. And to many, it would have been a large sum. To many, would they say, wow, that's a lot of money to give. But the heart behind it, and only God knows the heart. I'll just speak from human experience. I hated everything about it. I wanted to send the check back. But then I experienced something that encouraged my soul greatly. A man walked up to me. This is a man most of you guys will say, what's he doing? No money. Unemployed. Was really, I was amazed he was even given. This was at the beginning when, you know, you're waiting for everyone to come up and just like, here it is, dog. You were believing. He walked up to me and he says, Joey, I know this isn't a lot. But that's all I have. If I can give more, I'll give. And he gave 80 bucks. 80 bucks to this man was everything. And the joy I had and the encouragement I felt in my soul being part of the kingdom of God, I said, this is what I want to live for. Keep your filthy money. I don't want any of it. I'd rather live in a cardboard box. I'd rather meet there for church. But that encouraged me. I said, that's what the kingdom of God is about. It's not about us just, oh, let me give you a little bit because I feel bad for you because it's the right political move or because I look good. Let me give you everything because I believe the gospel is true. And the more churches we plant, the more people will hear that gospel. And that encouraged my soul. That's the kind of heart that God is looking for. And we follow the greatest example. We follow God the Father who didn't hold anything back. He gave his son his most valuable relationship. He gave his son. Now some people say he's God. He knew he rise from the dead. He knew. We don't understand the depth of the whole thing. We are filthy sinners. Idol worshipers. You think it was easy for the pure, holy, eternal God to look down and watch us beating his son? And murdering his son? 
You think it was easy for God? He gave more than the widow ever, ever gave. Jesus gave more than the widow ever, ever gave. Imagine he only went halfway to the cross. Imagine he only died. He died for all your sins except for one. Imagine he just gave part of it and kept some. He gave it all. The gospel is the message and the truth that God has given it all, that Jesus has given all. In response to that, we are called to give it all. I encourage you, Seven Mile Road, don't rob yourself. So many times we live for the security that money brings and the security and the pleasure that this world brings. Don't rob yourself by gathering up your money and your talents and your gifting where rust and moth destroy. Don't do that to yourself. So many times in our life, we walk up to different, not in church, but offering boxes. So I went to Home Depot yesterday. Now, we haven't had a grill that has worked for over a year. That hurts. But we have no money right now, so we got to get tight. we got to give to the church, but get tight at home. <laughs> and um, I'm walking through, and I'm looking at the these grills. I'm talking about some of these grills. I mean, you can drive them places. And I'm looking at all these grills, and I'm saying, man, I'm ready to give it all for this grill. I said to myself, we have no money. I'm ready to break off the credit card. I'm ready to go into what little savings we have and spend. I'm ready to give it all. This is my treasure. How many times do we look at other things in our life and we give it all? How many times we look at that vacation that we don't have money for and we take it and we say, no, I'm not going to, and I'm going to talk serious to you now. I'm not going to give, the, my, my giving's going to suffer, but not my vacation. I'm not giving up Netflix. I have no money. I have one guy I asked, <laughs> fundraising, he said, man, I got no money. It's tight right now. This dude's banking. Banking. And he says to me, I got no money. The next day, his wife put up. We just booked a trip to Italy. I was like, I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged. This brother was on his last piece of bread, only in America. Last week, my best friend told me that someone was very close to him, I won't say his name, has been in church because the kitchen project in the house is not going good. Only in America, we don't have stainless steel appliances, are we crying out to Jesus? Unbelievable. How many times do we go up that offering box and say, the house needs a remodel, we need vacation, we need a barbecue grill, we need this. And what suffers? The house of God. And I'm going to hit you hard before I leave. You can tell a lot about a person about where they spend their money. Because where they spend their money, they're showing you what they treasure the most. They're showing you what they treasure the most. If you look at someone's checkbook for the year, you can tell out what they treasure. And I ask you to ask yourself that question. Not in condemnation, because I'm trying to call you into joy. Ask yourself, where's your treasure? And you'll be able to tell that by where you're putting your money. And this text led me there, so I had to preach heavy, guys. Imagine if Jesus got a hold of all of our hearts and we gave like the widow gave. Starting with Seven Mile, imagine if we all gave it all and we sacrificed and we counted the cost and we took up our cross. Not so people could get rich, but so the word of God could go out. You know how, how much that would change our culture? Imagine if God got a hold of all the leaders' hearts, the pastors. And no longer was he saying, beware of these guys. He was saying, run to these guys. 
because they're for my glory. They're living for my glory. They, they will serve you. They will love you. They will sacrifice for you. Imagine those kind of hearts that give it all. Pray for that for us because we're all sinners. I don't sit up here as someone who's got to figure it out, but pray for that. Pray, pray for that for us. And don't find your security in money. Please hear me say this. Please hear me say this because the world's telling you something different. Don't find your security in money. Anyone watch Pawn Stars? I said Pawn. Pawn Stars. Be careful. Before you know it, you watch seven straight episodes and you feel convicted. Good show. But I was watching this past week and a guy rolled in with this car from 1936. I'm not a car guy, but even I was like, whoo, that car's sweet. He rolled in there and he's one of those guys that got out. And, you know, it just has a tattoo that says, I'm financially savvy. One of those brothers just think they have all figured out. He got out of the car, and he looked at them, and he said, I'll take no less than 100 Gs. And he was serious. You know, sometimes people say that, and the guy gets them down. No, I don't know. I can't go. For, all right, I'll go there. This guy was serious. You could see it on his face. And then the other guy said, what, can I get you to 95, but I'll pay in gold. And this guy's face lit up. He said, it's all about, you know, and then they go to the clip, just the guy, he's like, it's all about gold, man. And so I'm thinking, one, I'm amazed because this is one of these guys who you know so much security in earthly possessions and, and wealth and all, that's where he finds the security. But I'm thinking 95 grand in gold, I'm thinking there's going to be like 12 people carrying it out with shotguns. This dude walked out with like 15 pieces of gold and put it in a little bag and the dude threw it over his shoulder and he was like going to bury this somewhere. I was like, and I looked at Natalie, she watches it with me, and I said, it is so strange to me that people find a security in a green paper dollar bill, in coins, like that guy could have never experienced more joy, more security, more hope for the future than when he threw that gold over his shoulder. How much more should we be secure in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Let me say this to you one more time. We have Jesus. You have everything. Wealth is going to pass away. Health is going to pass away. People are going to pass away. But Jesus will stand forever. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Please don't waste your life on gathering up riches unless you're giving it to the house of God. Please don't. Find your security in Jesus. And Seven Mile Road, I just want to thank you guys. Because in many ways you guys have shown that kind of heart to me. Um, with the transition, I'll say this in closing. You guys' heart on being able to send us as a church plant, many people would have kept us. Many people have said, no, we can't give it all. We've got to hold on for our security. We've got to hold on for our finances. We've got to hold on for our stability. But you guys treasured the kingdom of God. And you had that kind of heart as a, as a body towards me, and I want to thank you for that. And you gave it all. And I'm so thankful for that for doing that because I pray that that is done 20,000 more times in greater Boston because that's what we need. We need to call people to treasure Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's close. Father, I just thank you so much for this crew. I thank you that they treated me like family. Thank you that I get to serve and preach, and I thank you. Thank you that they listen. I pray that you change our hearts, God. Help us to get it. 
Help us to understand your worth and your majesty and the treasure that you are. Help us to honor you with even our giving. Help us to give it all like your son Jesus gave. We trust you to change us, Lord. We trust you to convict us. We want to bring you glory and live this life to the fullest by giving our all to you. Please do that. Amen.